listening to Show Me The Honey, where we talk to ordinary people doing extraordinary things in life and business. I am your co-host, Liv Carly, a holistic therapist who supports individuals to develop somatic intelligence as a form of authentic self-care and empowerment. I'm your co-host, Natalia, and I'm a web designer and course creator, helping you do more good whilst doing less work. Together, we are the founders of Show Me The Honey, a community that shares the sweet side of life and business. Before we begin today's episode, we would like to take a moment to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which this podcast was recorded. We recognize their continuing connection to land, water and communities. We pay our respects to them and their cultures and to elders past, present and emerging. here again back for part two uh last time you were asking me questions and now it's my turn i'm going to ask you lots of questions and get to know you more um more than i already do i feel nervous yeah learn some new (laughs) things it is a bit nerve-wracking being in that seat yeah i just i'm like oh it's a bit vulnerable Yes. Not being in control of the questions, but yeah. this is good, right? Because this is what we're going to be asking other people to yeah, do. So absolutely. I think it's important we know what it feels like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My yes, hands indeed. are very hot and sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be gentle. Thank you. It's my nature to be gentle, so <laughs> you'll be gentle. Um, well, I think I'd just like to dive straight in. Do it. Let's um, do it. Something that I think is really interesting about the way that we have sort of gone about business differently yeah. is the the paths we've sort of taken. Um, I've gone along a very like self-taught route mm. and you have done a lot of study and you've mm-hmm. taken a lot of different courses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there's, there's a few things I would love to know. <laughs> One is... You know, like, what is the course that you've taken that's sort of, like, been most inspiring to you and kind of been um, the most influential Mm -mm. to you, you know, your life and your business? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, start with that one. Well, (laughs) what's interesting, as soon as you just sort of acknowledge the different paths that we've taken... Um, a really big part of my journey, particularly around um, my education, is that when I finished high school, which high school was just the last couple of years of high school were nightmarish for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when I finished high school, you know, in Australia, the thing that you do is you just go to uni. You maybe have a gap year and then you go to uni. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got accepted to go to art school and That's started... Cool. That sounds fun. It always <laughs> sounds fun, doesn't it? Well, it sounds fun, yeah. <laughs> and so I started doing a fine arts degree. Um, cool. And I made it halfway through mm. and had a bit of a... a nervous breakdown actually Mm -hmm. it was sort of it was too much um 
to be doing uni and navigating a lot of the trauma that I was sort of processing or actually not processing. It was just sort of Mm. running my life. Mm. Um, And the university setting just did not suit me. The schooling system didn't even really suit me. Mm. Um, I always felt really challenged by it. And so being at university, it just highlighted that even more. And Mm. it was really, really, really fucking hard. Um, Yeah. So then I took a break and... After that, I was like, well, if uni doesn't work, then maybe I'll go to TAFE. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up doing multiple TAFE courses. Mm. Um, I did like an advanced diploma in marketing. And then I was like, no, I don't want to be in marketing. And then I ended up doing an advanced diploma in fashion and textiles and Mm. followed that path for a while. Um, So, and, and I, in that, it's like, whilst I'm not in that space anymore, something that I can really acknowledge in myself is that I love learning. Yeah. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just that those models of learning, mm-hmm. those institutions weren't the right place for me Yeah, um, to flourish. Mm. I always felt really challenged um, in those, in that institutionalized learning mm. space. Mm. Um, and for me, uh, I don't know if I have one particular (laughs) course or thing that I've studied, right? Because when I look at my journey around my education, um, I've I've always seen my education as an absolute privilege. Like I do not take the fact that I can pay, like that we live in a country where I can pay to go and learn lightly. Um, And as I've gotten older, that, that has felt even more and more important to me Mm, Um, mm. because there's just so many people around the world that don't have access to basic education. Yeah. Um, And so I think because I know that and I can, and I can feel that um, privilege of having access to it and the, the financial means to do that. And I've, I've paid for all of my education myself, which is amazing. But also really fucking hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that having that awareness in like a global context, it, it, it sort of, yeah, it's like the combination of my thirst for knowledge and wanting to learn and continue to grow and understand the world and myself with the awareness that I have access to this. Mm-hmm. So make the most of it. Yeah. Um, and... So that's sort of like really high level, my education, I guess I didn't, I, I never really thought about it in that way when it shifted into, I'm going to go and do a course and enroll in a program that is going to support me with where I am right now. Mm. Um, and I guess what I mean by that, the memory that's coming through the strongest is I was in my very early twenties and I didn't have an awareness of what really was happening for me, Mm -hmm. but I knew that life was really fucking hard and that I wasn't coping. Yeah. Um, And what that looked like was me relying quite heavily on drugs and alcohol um, to escape Mm. this feeling that I was having inside Mm -hmm. um, and how I was feeling about the world. And 
I remember moving into an apartment with two friends of mine and around the corner there was a yoga studio and I'd never done yoga before. <laughs> my mum had tried to make me do it when I was younger to help with my anxiety and I was like, fuck this shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be quiet on a mat in downward dog. Yeah. Um, and there was a yoga studio around the corner. There was this kundalini yoga eight-week course and I have no idea it just it just popped up into my field it was right down the road from where I was living and I signed up no questions asked I did it by myself and it honestly set in motion something that I I never could have imagined that it would because (laughs) it started clearing my body and my system from all of these emotions that I was holding on to that I I didn't even know that I had, Mm, right? Like mm. I didn't even know that I was, you know, I left every class and I'd, I remember I would pick up my mat and I'd leave and it was in the middle of winter and I'd wrap myself up and I'd walk. And as soon as I would walk out of the yoga studio, I'd step foot out of the yoga studio and I'd just start crying. Wow. And I would cry from the time I left the studio to the time I got home. By the time I got home, you know, my housemates would be like, how was it? And I didn't really have the words to articulate what was happening. Yeah. I didn't really have a way to communicate. I actually think some big stuff is changing for me. Yeah. But I knew I had to keep going back. Yeah. And Mm. it was at that point that I thought, oh, maybe there's another way that I can understand myself. Maybe Mm. there's another way other than drugs and alcohol and and going to traditional talk therapy Mm -hmm. that I can yeah stay connected to myself and actually process some of the shit that I can't name without actually having to talk about it yeah and that felt really exciting Mm. and I was really drawn to that space it was like I guess you know it was in that at that point that my spirituality got really sort of awoken Mm, um mm. for the first time properly that I'm aware of yeah um and from that I just kept trusting that little voice inside of me that was that guided me to that yoga studio Mm. you know and that was like maybe you should go and do this yeah or something I'd see something that I'd never heard about you know I ended up overseas doing all sorts of different courses. Like I Mm. did my Kundalini yoga teacher training and then I ended up doing a Kundalini dance training Mm. and and I did, I traveled the world to, to learn because when I found something that felt in resonance for whatever reason, I just had this pull, Mm. like something in me would just draw me to it and it didn't matter where it was or how much it cost. I just listened and I did it. Mm. And that, sometimes meant having to leave stability or the perceived idea of stability of having an apartment or a certain type of job um, or leaving my friends and family for periods of time. And I've just continued to do that. And, and the, I guess I remember sitting at the end of my Kundalini dance training and they asked us, you know, what are you taking away from this training? Mm. And I felt such a significant shift within myself. I felt lighter, you know, I felt 
aware mm-hmm. of what was happening for myself. Mm-hmm. It was the first time that I really, as an adult, could say, oh, hey, you know, this really shitty thing happened to me when I was 18. Yeah. I don't think I'm okay with it and I don't think I'm, I'm, I can do it by myself. I yeah. need some support mm. and was able to actually have that awareness. Mm. And when I sat there, I just said, I just need to share this with people. Mm. Yeah. I just need to share whoever wants to listen, whoever yeah. wants to learn this, I need to share this with other people mm. because living in a world or having a life where you don't have the words. And I think because it was dance, I didn't have to use words. I could use, I felt connected to my body. I could express myself and navigate my trauma on a nonverbal plane. And it really shifted something for me Mm -hmm. because I found my language for my trauma. Yeah. And it just, and so, you know, most of the time I have to try and find words to, (laughs) articulate these things like Mm. that's my challenge in all of this because I can communicate through movement I can Mm. communicate through breath but finding words is a little more challenging for me Mm. um and so yeah that course stands out significantly the first yoga course that I did as well and then more recently the course that really stands out is when I fully stepped into the trauma space you know I'd I remember talking to my closest friend, Tay, who's your partner. (laughs) I'm familiar with her. Yeah, (laughs) you know that one. Um, And I just remember describing the neuroaffective touch somatic therapy that I was doing. Yeah. And it just made so much sense to her. Mm. But I was having this moment of realization of like, oh, I think that I want to work with people that and navigating their trauma and she's yeah. like that's what you've been doing this yeah. whole time <laughs> and I'm like oh yeah <laughs> right that yeah that makes sense um but I was still processing so much of my own trauma that I yeah. didn't I I wasn't in a space or I wasn't ready to actually start supporting other people too so when I started doing that training the way I started to see the world completely changed mm. um and, and how I started to see myself change mm. as well. Um, I realized that as much as I thought I'd healed all of my trauma, mm. that there were still little threads that were unprocessed. Yeah. And it really humbled me into this space of this path to uh, healing trauma is really nonlinear. And this path is... It's, there's no goal. There's no yeah. place I want to get to. Mm-hmm. And once I've arrived, then it's done. It's just... And I also don't believe that you can never heal your trauma. That's not what I'm saying. But mm. it just... For me, on a very personal level, it was like, oh, there's there's some more here. Um, but what it gifted me was, again, these, these beautiful tools and processes and practices of how to communicate more with my body on this nonverbal plane mm. that I hadn't had through doing movement and dance and embodiment. It was, wow, I can actually start to understand my physiology. Yeah. And mm. it became so subtle. Like everything else I'd done up until that point felt a lot more at large or very 
outward and expressive and like cathartic whereas this just slowed me right down and just created this space of honoring the the gentleness and the like sometimes the fragility and the vulnerability of our nervous systems and who we are as human beings when we experience really fucking horrible things yeah yeah um so yeah that's the most recent oh and of course like i'm literally still in the midst of my transpersonal therapy training that i finish next year and yeah. that's just been this deeply shamanic space that i think i don't even really know how to articulate fully to people yeah. because i'm still <laughs> so in it um but that's provided this beautiful held space where i can process things that are happening in real time there's this aliveness and that's the nature of shamanic work it's working with what's present what's alive right now and mm. you know I've been in that space and learning for most of COVID yeah so I've had somewhere to process yeah what's been happening in the world and yeah. the impact that that's mm. had on me and also navigating some really big family pieces as mm. well and mm. so ha having a space where I can go and and be supported but also learning the skills so that I can then support others as well mm. which I guess that's why when it I don't it's like yes it's education but I do it first and foremost for myself because I need it yeah and then once I'm gifted with these tools and mm. I'm gifted mm. with these mm. practices and these modalities I I think it's my responsibility mm. as a human being to share it with people yes yeah 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 oh like there's so many things in what you've just said, like what you just ended on as well. Mm. I think that that is such an inspiring thing, you know, to have your own personal experience and learn these things and, you know, seeing what they have been able to do for you mm. and you know, not wanting to keep that all to yourself, you know, you, you care for other people. And so you're like, well, this has been so life changing for me. Like I can't not share this, mm. um, which I, yeah, I just think that's so incredible. Mm. Um, and I also think it's just interesting, like, cause I've not heard your sort of <laughs> beginning story before. Right. And so to hear, the serendipity of that as well mm -hmm. and I just find it so interesting that I think there's a lot of people that have those moments where something just happens mm -hmm. unexpectedly and they follow it and then it turns out to literally be that path that they follow and just keep on following mm -hmm. um so I think that's really cool and the other part was what you said about what you were learning. Um, it, it just made me think of like, you, it was like you were learning a new language, right? Mm. The language of the body mm -mm -mm. and how that that is something that we're not taught yeah. in our education system. And yeah. it goes back to what you also shared, how you didn't really feel like you fit in um, with the way the education system typically is run. Mm -hmm which is something that I really resonate with. And that's why I never went down that path of mm. university. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, yeah, it's just really interesting to like learn that bit about you and mm. 
um, it, it makes sense, you know? Mm. Um, and I think it's just really incredible that you take what you learn and you share it around um, and really embody that within yourself. Mm. Um, and I suppose you experience it firsthand, mm -hmm. you know, and then you can share it freely yeah. around. Mm. Um, so on the topic of study as well, mm. Um, and I think I know the answer to this question, but it's like, if you hadn't taken this sort of path of study, mm. um, do you think you would have got to where you are now in your business? Because, mm. you know, for me, I guess in the creative field, mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to, um, you know, make it forwards in your business because you don't necessarily have to be taught. Yeah by someone else you can sort of self-teach whereas I think a lot of the things that you've learned mm. aren't perhaps necessarily things that you could teach yourself mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know if you agree with that or disagree with that um yeah. you know like learning the language of your body for example yeah, yeah. <sighs> I feel like my answer is yes and no yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's not, I'm not a hard yes and I'm not a hard no. I obviously, yeah. uh, like, in a very tangible way, it's like, no, I wouldn't be where I am. Yeah. Obviously, mm -hmm. because, you know, these things have shaped me and I've followed my intuition yeah. to these places. Um, the There's two parts to my answer, I guess. The, the, the first part is that, that came through when you were asking was around ethics mm. and ecology and... When, we, when I look at the work that I'm doing, I'm working with other human beings. Yeah. And based on the way that I was raised in the society that I was raised in, as you say, it's like I, like I wasn't taught how to listen to the body. If anything, yeah. I was, you know, conditioned to do the absolute opposite yeah so definitely. there's been a lot of unraveling and I've needed guidance in that I've yeah. needed mentors I've needed teachers that mm -hmm. have paved that path already to gift me mm -hmm. that knowledge um and particularly with trauma trauma is so nuanced mm. um and at the moment what I'm witnessing in a lot of the wellness space and the alternative health space and even just the health space in general is this like trauma is a bit of a, a buzzword right now everyone's yeah. like mm. trauma this trauma that which i think is so fucking amazing mm. because mm. people are actually like oh maybe the whole world's a bit traumatized actually yeah <laughs> yeah definitely um, what's been going on yeah as well, and even know. prior it's just yeah. an acknowledgement of what are what's the impact of when we have these experiences where we don't have the resources and tools yeah to process it because mm -hmm. that's essentially what trauma is. It's like trauma has felt, I think like quite a charged word. Yeah. And so as people have become more educated and it's become more at the forefront of, you know, people's minds and it's in the more collective field, it's sort of, there's a bit more of an understanding. Mm. Um, however, I will spend the rest of my life understanding and learning about trauma yeah. because it is so, um, intricate mm -hmm. um and because each individual person experiences the world differently mm. and their nervous systems 
organize themselves based on those experiences. And so there's no one nervous system Mm -hmm. that runs everyone. Yeah. We all are completely unique. Mm. Um, And so, you know, having a teacher or a mentor and being in these structured spaces of learning has meant for me anyway that I can show up for my clients in a way that it's it's we asked it around ecology anyway it's mm. like we are we're we I asked the question of is this good for me yeah is this good for my client is this good for the world mm. Mm. now it gives a framework right having these structured learning spaces it gives a framework that we can then use when we go and work with other human beings yeah if that framework wasn't there, it's like a free for fucking all. Like, yeah. yeah. And from an ethical point of view, I believe that that can re-traumatize mm-hmm. people. Yeah, that makes um, sense. And, and it can still happen even with the mm. most educated people because yeah. we are human beings. We yeah. are flawed. Mm. But I think that if you're going to be working in this space, that some level of structured learning is really important. Whether that, you know, the delineation though is, is it through mainstream? Mm -hmm. I believe no, for me, it's Mm. not. Mm -hmm. I've found teachers and schools that are, you know, actually going against mainstream therapy um, or finding ways that we can work alongside it. Mm -hmm. It's not to completely abandon it. Right. Um, So in that sense, like, yeah, I think it's important to have that structured learning. Mm -hmm. Um, The other part of my answer, I guess is like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And, And where that comes from, I'm just sort of thinking of this more, um, you know, one of my, my core values is empowerment. And a lot of the work that I do is I want other people to feel empowered in themselves. And what I mean by that is to reconnect people back to their bodies, their own intuition, their own wisdom, because we all have our own answers. I don't have the answer for you. You don't have the answer for me, except we aren't, we aren't supported and held in that as Mm. we go through our lives. And so, I think if it's not the right space, if it's not within the right framework of education, that our our autonomy and our intuition can be absolutely stripped. Mm. And so we have to be careful and discerning of where we are educated, particularly yeah. within the work that I do. Yeah. Um, because that that needs to be nurtured mm. and and I think it's essential mm-hmm. actually having the ability to connect to yourself and be connected to your intuition. Mm. Um, and then when I think of a shamanic model, it's, you know, and you think of, yeah, shamans and, you know, I want to say witches, but I don't, it's, that can be like the wrong association, but yeah, more um, indigenous traditions. Mm there's such a deep connection to the land Mm -hmm. and this richness of how you receive wisdom and knowledge. However, again, whilst it's not in a traditional school, that knowledge and wisdom is handed down from generation to generation. Yeah. 
So in tribes, there's an elder mm-hmm. and that elder supports the tribe to yeah. share their knowledge. So there's always some form of structured education. Yes. It's just that in a more shamanic model or in indigenous communities, they look very, very different to what more um, mainstream culture has created. Mm. Um, and I think the ultimate distinction is the way the knowledge is passed on and also the piece around supporting people to connect to their own wisdom and knowledge within themselves. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, it's um, what, what I was thinking when you were sharing that. And it's something that I've learned through you doing the work that you do mm. is that, you know, that piece that everyone is human, everyone has a different experience of it. Mm. And, you know, like the terms that I'm familiar with is like big T trauma, little T trauma, that mm-hmm, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And for me, I, and I, I'm sure that there's so many people out there, I have felt, you know, and, and I've come to an understanding, like, I've gone through experiences in my life and, you know, particularly childhood, right? Mm. There's a lot of experiences which I suppose from the outside mm. wouldn't necessarily look traumatic. Yeah. But from the inside yeah. were traumatic. A hundred percent. And how that shapes people's lives. And I think, I suppose, you know, for me, and this is probably what you see, you know, in the people you work with, right? Mm. I, I think that because I've had that perception that I haven't gone through this like seemingly big traumatic thing mm. that therefore um, like there's there's been a feeling of like not needing to reach out and just being yeah. like that's just something that I experienced and like it made me feel this certain way but like you know this the other thing didn't happen to me yeah that's that comparison yeah and I think that's why there's so much value in what you say that trauma's become a bit of a buzzword. Yeah. It's it's the double-edged sword. It's like, on the one hand, it's great because now there's more people being able to connect to that fact that mm-hmm. perhaps something seemingly small happened to them, mm. but in terms of their world and, like you say, their nervous system, mm. it was actually really huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, it's very, very powerful. Mm to um explore that within ourselves and learn about that more Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and i find it really inspiring because it's such a you know i think it's like the it can be a really core part of being a human in that element of the hard part of being a human yeah and what I find really inspiring in you Mm. is not only your ability to work with that Mm. and help people with it, Mm. but your desire to continually keep going towards that and Mm -hmm, learning mm -hmm. more about it Mm. and diving deeper into it when Mm. it is, you know, it's the hard element of being a human. Yeah. Um, So it's, yeah, I'm just interested in what makes you just keep diving in and like, it's like, you know, the conversation we had in our last podcast is mm. you said to me, how do you love web design so much? And my yeah. question is, how do you love trauma so much? You know? 
Oh, yeah, I mean, sometimes I even ask myself <laughs> that question and I'm like, how did I, how did I end up here? Yeah. Um, because it, it can actually be quite isolating. Mm. You know, I've, I've found myself in a, yeah, I've found myself in a space where I feel so connected to myself mm. and on purpose mm-hmm. uh, and inspired in my own work but it's also a space that not a lot of people in the world want to look at or acknowledge yeah and speak about yeah um and so yeah there's part of me that's like yeah what is that 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 draws me into that um as you were asking it the sort of the first answer was that came through was that you know I, I experienced a significant trauma in my teen years where I was sexually abused by my partner and I didn't know, like part of me knew that it wasn't okay. Yeah. Part of me knew what was happening wasn't okay, but I didn't know how to talk about it. Yeah. I didn't know how to communicate it. And when I did communicate about it, I was communicating with my peers who were you know, 18, 19, mm-hmm. most men, because yeah. most of my friends at the time were young boys, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and being in that space and not having the right support was was awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't... And that's the thing, the, the languaging part for me is like, it was awful. I'm like, that doesn't even begin to cut it to describe what it was like to not only have those experiences, but then to fumble through a long time. Like it took me years to find the right type of support that I needed. Um, And it actually wasn't until maybe three or four years ago now where I found a therapist who Mm -hmm. really was like, Oh my God, you you're changing my life. You know, she was the first person to actually say, Hey, I think, I think you actually have PTSD. Yeah. Um, and so for, for almost, um, yeah, for five or six years, I was having flashbacks and having, you know, these symptoms of PTSD, Mm -hmm. but wasn't having this framework. And I mean, for me, that diagnosis was actually really, supportive and empowering it's not how I don't identify with that diagnosis anymore Mm. Um, but at that time it was really helpful and really supportive Um, and uh, I've always just you know I think because of the depth of what I felt and my experience and just not understanding it and how painful that was how deeply painful that was and disconnected I felt from myself and the world I just, when I, when I acknowledge that, I think I know what that's like Yeah. to not have the right support, to mm. not have the resources, to not have someone that I can talk to about it. And I've traveled within myself to very, very, very dark places. Yeah. Um, and there's a comfortability there mm-hmm. for me, mm-hmm. you know, my 
family background is mottled with darkness. Mm. It's also illuminated by a lot of light. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am familiar with with hardship. I am familiar. Yeah. I'm familiar with trauma. Mm. Um, my family is familiar with trauma. You mm. know, mm. I've got generations of it. Mm. Like generations and generations of it in my in my DNA. So there's a comfortability there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this, there's, and there's, there's an ability to be in it, Yeah. you know, mm. and, and the more I've healed my own trauma and the more I found resolution and understanding around my own, the more I then have built this capacity to actually sit and hear and be with other people that mm. are navigating theirs. Mm. Mm. And I don't know how else to be yeah, like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how else I, I would exist if I wasn't doing this. I don't actually know. Well, I would probably just become a ceramicist. <laughs> yeah. um, a successful one too, yeah, I would say. Yeah. Um, but this, it, uh, there's a comfortability. It, yeah. it feels, there's a, it feels familiar, mm. um, which can be a really, um, there's an edge. It's an edgy place because yeah. it, it takes a lot of internal boundaries on all fronts. Mm. Um, and also, there's the you know, I'm hearing some. Well, I'm I'm hearing a lot of other people's stories that that paint a picture of the world that I believe a lot of people don't want to look at and don't want to see. And I don't, I don't want to live in a world where I pretend that other people's pain and, and, and trauma doesn't exist because yeah. I, I tried to do that mm, and, pe- and yeah. people around me tried to do that when I tried to do, I wasn't believed. I wasn't, mm. you know, I wasn't, it was like, you're not, you're not telling the truth. Mm, mm. Um, so if I can be that person that I just believe someone, yeah. Mm, and yeah. if that's all it is mm, like that, mm. that, that I don't, I, that's not even work. That's just actually being a human being. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I fully, I feel that so deeply. Mm. And I think, um, it, it totally is like the, the feeling of just having someone say to you, like, I hear you mm. and I believe what you're saying mm is so 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 important Mm -hmm. you know um yeah so i think it's it's really incredible and necessary work Mm. that it is that you do Mm. um so yeah i you know i just i'm like constantly inspired by (laughs) the work that you do and it, it like so what it makes me think is like you know, not everyone, like you say, not everyone wants to talk about it, right? Because it's, it's a hard topic. Um, and it's, it brings up so much pain. And I think as a society, we do often like we're getting better all the time, Mm. but I think even what I'm familiar with, like mental health, it's like, it's not always spoken about. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, like it's, it's hard, it's heavy and it takes a lot of energy to, um, continually show up in it Mm -mm -mm. um so i'd love to know like what is it that inspires you Mm -hmm. what is it that keeps you going Mm. when arguably quite easily Mm. all of these things that you hear about um could really like weigh you down you know 
it's, it's called vicarious trauma <laughs> in therapy terms it's yeah in counseling therapy terms it's vicarious trauma so mm. as a counselor as a therapist as a practitioner when working in this space yeah um even if you don't specifically work in trauma you know you're hearing people's hardship and yeah. so um you can absorb it yeah that makes sense <laughs> and yeah. you do yeah um i think you'd have to be a robot to absorb absolutely nothing yeah um how do i do it <laughs> uh it's an everyday job yeah it's yeah. an everyday job because you know it's inevitable that at some point I will absorb what someone's saying because mm. at the at the absolute foundations of what I've been taught and who I am is to absolutely love love my clients. Yeah. Right? Mm. This is more of a transpersonal model, but it's mm. like you love your clients, you're empathetic, and you hold them in absolute positive regard. Mm. So, you know having boundaries it's just like to have that love and positive regard for someone mm. you have to be open yeah but then you also have to have a boundary so that you're not just fully absorbing everything mm. Mm. what i've noticed particularly in the past 12 months as you know i've been 100 percent online with the very like small times that i'm in person but with everything happening in the world is that my my life has been constructed around supporting myself not only in my own journey to understanding and staying connected to myself and enjoying my life mm. but also to to manage and respond to my work mm -hmm. you know so what that really looks like is i made the choice to leave the city mm. you know at the start yeah. of this year and that lifestyle shift to being more connected to nature and out of the the density of the city has really supported my nervous system and to have a slower lifestyle really works for the work that I do. Yeah. Um, the, I just have a really rigorous uh, routine with myself to make sure that I, I deeply take care of myself. Yeah. I see multiple therapists <laughs> I have an art therapist I have an EMDR therapist I have you know a somatic sexologist who mm. I say with my partner um and I also have my mentors and my yeah. supervisors mm. for my work mm. um and I do emotional clearing every mm. single day mm. um I practice yoga meditation mindfulness i'm yeah. really conscious like my approach to my life is very holistic and that's what supports me mm, mm. so that i can actually show up in the way that i want to yeah for my clients um and it takes it takes work that in itself yeah it's it not easy yeah i mean it's just it's not how everyone else lives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I see, you know, if I like compare myself to corporate and where I used to work, it's like you would just, I would just push myself. I was wearing like heels and makeup every single day. Like this is years ago, but I was working Monday to Friday, nine to five at an office and 
it didn't actually really matter what my headspace was like showing yeah. up. Like, yes, of course, I couldn't be an absolute disaster. But I mean, like, a lot of people did show up mm. mentally not fully well. And yeah. I did too. But that's not part of the job. Yeah. That yeah. doesn't matter, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, it does matter. It's just that it's not as yeah. supported in that space. It's changing, but... Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then in that, it was, like, to deal with the stressful work week, what does everyone do? Everyone goes to the local bar or the pub at the end of the week and you just get pissed and you just sort of write yourself off. Uh, That's not an option for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't. uh, And and so it becomes about how do I, what do I choose to have in my life and who are the people I choose to have in my life? What are the relationships? Yeah. Yeah how do I spend my time so that I can feel like the best in myself? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and it actually has been my own medicine. Yeah. Um, I'm the most physically healthy and mentally healthy I've ever been. Yeah. But it also means I get to show up for my job and be super like certain and just really able to sit down and be like, yep, I am here. Mm. I'm a hundred percent here. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it's, it's like, that's what I see in you. That's what I see you doing so continually and consistently. Mm. And I often think to myself, I'm like, how does she do it? Like <laughs> it, it's so incredible. Um, and I think, you know, like one thing that you just said was, you know what it sounds like as an external Mm. is like you have a lot of support networks like a lot of people around you that you lean on for certain things Mm -mm -mm. and you have a lot of practices um that you lean on as well Mm. and you know in certain times Mm. um and what I thought for me Mm. what that made me think was I know that there's like there's so many different things out there that we can do to help um, heal ourselves mm. and work on our well-being mm-hmm. and our health mm. and mental well-being. Mm. And I think sometimes it can feel really overwhelming yeah. with all of the things. Yeah. And I know for me, I have a tendency to sort of be like, right, I've got to do something different. Yeah. Pick like 20 different things and want to do them all at once mm-hmm. and then get nowhere. <laughs> yeah. So I'd love to know like if you could sort of you know, there's not one thing that's going to sort of fix everything, right? <laughs> but, like, if you were to start someone out with, like, a really sort of good starting place mm. to start, um, I guess, taking more care of your mental well-being, your physical well-being, mm. your emotional well-being, like, if you could sort of give just, like, one thing to start out with, <laughs> what would that be? Well, it's interesting, like... I just want to sort of, as you reflected that to me, what I realized is everything I do in my life Mm. is what I share with other people. Yeah. So I just deeply embody Mm. my work. Yeah. It's like, I don't take anywhere, anyone anywhere that I haven't been. Yes. I don't share tools or practices that I don't practice daily, if not weekly or at some point, yeah. like I just, I just like you've don't tested everything. First. Oh, I'm, yeah. I do. I practice it all. Yeah. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. um, that doesn't mean that I have a really rigid routine. I'm much more in a flow state. I like to just see what feels good in the moment, yeah. but yeah, I deeply embody 
the work that I do. Mm. And so that, that it just like, it's just my life. That's just how I live. Um, so I mean, the word intuition comes up for me because I think that people have become so far removed from being connected to their bodies and exist so much in their heads. And so I don't have an answer of here's one thing to do, like a practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what I what I think my answer is, is what's the one th- practice that you can do that makes you feel more connected to your body? Yeah. So everyone's different, right? Mm-hmm. And so there are so many ways that we can do this, whether it's yoga or dance or running or going to the gym mm-hmm. Or breath work or meditation or, you know, pole dancing or, mm, mm. you know, roller skating or walking in the park. But connection to body is essential Yeah. because the more connected we are to our bodies and in that dialogue and communication between our mind and bodies, the more harmonious our lives can be, the more mm. balanced our lives can be. And living a life from that place is way more easeful. Doesn't mm. mean that there's no challenge, yeah. but there's an ease that comes with that. There's a lightness that comes with that. There's a power that comes from when we actually connect to our bodies. And so the one thing that I would say is find the thing that helps you connect to your body the most, that makes mm. you feel present and alive in your body. That's like, oh yeah, that's right. This mm. thing exists and mm. it has information in it. Mm. Find what that is and do that thing. Yeah. Like, oh my God, just 100 million percent yes. <laughs> it, like as soon as you said that, I was like, of course that's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, I just, yeah. Um, intuition, it's, it's that for me, mm. like how I relate to that. And this is a thing that I've always felt like, I feel as though, like, my guiding compass is, like, nature. Mm. And what I just find so just, like, it, it, I find it hard to find words to explain mm. nature because it just, it knows what it's doing. It mm-hmm. just does it, like, on repeat, mm. right? It, it just knows, it knows, right, this plant's growing a new leaf, right? It knows what the leaf should look like in relation to the rest of the plant. Yeah. Like, just every element of it, like birds, like even animals that are born and their mothers, um, like abandon them from birth. Yeah. These animals, then they know innately what to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I find that as a society, we have lost a level of connection to that inner knowing. Mm -hmm. And so when you said that, (laughs) I was like, absolutely. That's like the root of all of it. Yeah. It's like, and you know that obviously relates to what you do yeah. is like it's not a prescription it's not one size fits all no it's like listening to each individual we are all different yeah that part of us that needs something different to everyone else yeah you know um and connecting to listening to ourselves yeah. and being able to understand ourselves mm-hmm. um like for me, that's something that I've connected to more. You know, it's an ongoing process. Totally. But whenever I do, mm. 
you know, I think it serves such a healing uh, process mm. of getting used to listening to yourself. Yeah. And um, acting on that mm. and like having your own back, so to speak. Yeah. And I think that's what I see in you is your ability to listen to yourself and go with yourself and trust yourself Mm. um so i think yeah i guess it really just speaks to like the amount of work that you have done Mm -mm -mm. and um yeah the depths that you've explored with it all you know um yeah it's it's like it's just incredibly inspiring to me (laughs) um well I have an interesting question then that's like a bit of a U-turn. Oh yeah, based on based on <laughs> based on all of that. Surprise me. Yeah, and like you know, running your own business. Yeah, helping people in this regard. Yeah, as we've said, it can be like real heavy stuff, hard stuff. Totally. Would you give it up, and would you go back to working for someone else? Not necessarily <laughs> like <laughs> a hard question, right? Complete U-turn. Not necessarily corporate, because I think, you know, neither you or I would probably ever walk back to corporate. Mm. But, like, would you ever, I guess, give up what you're doing and, yeah, go back to working for someone else? <laughs> My brain did two things. <laughs> At first it was like, hell fucking no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the other part was, we'll never say never. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so... I, I would never go back. Oh, no, I don't even want to say that. I don't know what, what's yeah. going to happen in my yeah. life. Yeah. Um, I I can't see myself going back to um, working in, like, the fashion industry yeah. or the art industry or the design industry, which is where I was originally. Um, I, I can foresee that I would shift into maybe more of... Uh, social justice space mm. potentially or even teaching at some point mm. um, which I, that's the first time I've thought or said that out yeah. loud um, so yeah I and then and so therefore it's like yes maybe I would work with someone else but it would just be in full alignment like I, I love I love sharing knowledge with people and yeah. so I can totally see that I might one day work at you know Mm. even the college where I'm currently studying or working at an institution that shares these programs and information Mm. um so I'm I'm not closed off to that because I really am the reason why is because I deeply believe that working in collaboration is a hundred percent where I'm moving towards and where I'm currently at like this is how this podcast started right it's that we wanted to collaborate Mm. on the hive and then the podcast was born. Yeah. (laughs) So my, 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 my life and my business, well, my business is shifting towards more collaboration. Yeah. Um, but also very much still loving having my own business Mm -hmm. working for myself. Um, but definitely there's just a big part of me that's like, I don't want to do it alone. I don't have to do it alone and is traversing the space of, okay, well, what does that look like? Mm, mm. Um, So, and even when you said corporate, I was like, well, you know, me working in corporate doesn't have to be 
putting on my high heels and yeah. my face and makeup again. <laughs> yeah. But working in corporate could definitely be taking the work that I do into that world, yes, into those true. spaces. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've got this memory coming through. I worked at a not-for-profit called uh, A Sound Life, which is a charity based in Sydney and they take music and yoga and meditation programs to different hospitals and women's shelters Mm. and all these different places. And they also have a corporate initiative where they take music, yoga, meditation into corporate. And when I was there, we did a, a session at Google. Cool. Um, Yeah. That's awesome. I didn't know that. (laughs) That's so cool. Um, Yes, I was the the dork that when I thought no one was looking when where the big Google sign is, it's like there's the lobby and then upstairs there's the big Google sign and there's these big glass windows so you can actually see from the lobby up to where it says Google. Yeah. And I thought there was no one around and wanted to take a selfie in front of <laughs> Google. <laughs> and as I'm doing it, I'm like, cheese, like, you know, yeah. big grin, feeling super excited and yeah. proud. <laughs> And then I just see this group of guys just like walking through the lobby, looking up (laughs) like, oh, fuck it, whatever. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I had that memory come through because working at a not-for-profit and being in a more corporate space, it's where these two worlds can, I've seen where these two worlds can meet. And I think it's really important that they do, um, that Mm. these bridges are formed, that these relationships and connections are made. And so, yeah, never say never. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I think it's a good way to look at it. And I think, yeah, you're right in saying that they they don't have to be separate. They can definitely come together and, and learn from each other. You know, I, I think that's, that's so uh, valuable in terms of things that are like seemingly opposite. Mm. There's so much to learn from opposites. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing. <laughs> so I have a really great question. <laughs> they've I mean, all been great yeah, questions. I'll be biased to say they've all been great. Um, but it's, yeah, the question that we ask everyone. Yep, bring it on. <laughs> what is the most extraordinary thing you've ever done in your life or in business? God, I mean, we came up with this question. You would think that I would have my answer, yeah. but I, I, I haven't thought about it. <laughs> I would argue and say that you do extraordinary things every day, you know, with the type of work that you do. <laughs> yeah, my life does actually, on a daily basis, feel actually pretty extraordinary. Um, which is amazing. Which, yeah. Feels, to say that is amazing. Yeah, yeah. it does. It feels, um, yeah, I'm super proud of that yeah. because it hasn't always been that way. Yeah. And I think... On a personal level, like in my life, um, one of the most extraordinary things I've done is my unwavered commitment to healing my trauma. Yeah. Um, 100%. Like, yeah. I just, absolutely. you know, I had a friend the other day reflect that, you know, she said, it's incredible that at your age, you've done so much work around the trauma and, mm. and to the extent that you'd experience the trauma mm. that you are where you are. Mm. Um, and that was a really like beautiful reflection because yeah. I don't often get that because yeah. I don't share my story a lot. Yeah. Um, but people that know me well have little insights and glimpses into what it's been like. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, 
pretty fucking extraordinary that I've my commitment to that my yeah. commitment to it in my personal life has just been I've never given up yeah I've never yeah. given up even even on the days where it's like I literally have not been able to peel myself off the bathroom floor in the shower and the water's mm. running cold and I can't even open my eyes because it's too scary yeah did not give up yeah yeah so yeah that feels pretty huge mm, mm. um and in business <laughs> I think like what I what what's coming through now I think that I've had lots of moments like the you know um but the thing that's coming through now is that that shift that I made from working in yeah fashion and design and I'd been working at this beautiful store in Sydney for like almost six years and they were like my family it was a yeah. small business and beautiful beautiful team to work with like incredible um and I kind of I actually I don't know what it was inside of me that wanted to shift but I just knew that I had to Mm -hmm. um and I became really fixated on um sex trafficking Mm -hmm. and I think that that was sort of my swing and response to my own sexual trauma it was like I didn't know how to deal with my own so then I started trying to understand the world and and the amount of trauma that exists in the world around sex and so then I started looking at sex trafficking and wanting to understand that and I I was like I just want to go work somewhere that is in that space Mm -hmm. um and so I just started researching not-for-profits um that were working in that space and I found Daughters Rising which Mm. is a not-for-profit in Thailand yeah um that's an anti-sex trafficking organization so they work in prevention which is proven to be the the best way Mm. to minimize the risk of women and girls ending up trafficked because you give them access to education then they can find a job and then they can support themselves and their families yeah um and i found the organization i applied for a volunteer role there and a couple of weeks later they contacted me and said that I I had been given the role and so <laughs> I quit my job <laughs> and got on a plane and went over and was there for 6 months yeah um and that really was the first time it set in motion my step out of mainstream work yeah um and that sort of idea of what work had to be Mm. and from that point it really like created this domino effect into yeah the paving the way to starting my own business um and leading me to where I am now Mm. Mm. yeah (laughs) that's definitely extraordinary (laughs) yeah really really amazing well now do you know what time it is it's honey Honey time time. (laughs) So this is where we ask five sort of quick fire questions um, and see what comes up. Are you ready? (laughs) No. Do you feel a bit nervous? Are you nervous again now? I immediately needed to pee. (laughs) My body's like, escape, you need to pee. Right, well, question number one. Yes. What's the favourite room in your house? Ooh. (sighs) It changes. 
<laughs> depending on my mood. <laughs> um, so I'm going to give two answers. <laughs> um, so my favorite room is the lounge room um, mm. because at our place we have it's like literally basically floor to ceiling windows all the way across the front of the lounge room yes. and it looks out onto our big beautiful um, backyard where our chickens are and our veggie garden is <laughs> and it's just super beautiful and where we live the 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 birds in the area like I've seen hawks and wow. like crazy fluorescent lorikeets and these <laughs> tiny little red but I don't even know all of the birds that I've seen I don't even didn't even know there were that many yeah. birds in the world um and I get to look at my chickens and it just being in that space mm. I get to actually feel connected to nature and it rains yeah. a lot where we are so mm. like even if it's pouring with rain I can still feel very connected to nature yeah and it's super peaceful mm, mm. and there's not a lot in that space. There's literally like, you know, two or three pieces of furniture with very minimal. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's where I knit. It's where I read. Mm. It's where I drink my morning hot water with lemon. Like yeah. I just, yeah. And it, and it's where when people come over, we all hang out and it's mm. where we connect. Yeah, um, yeah. And we eat most of our meals there. Mm. Like it just... Yeah, I really love that space. Mm. And then my other favorite space is our spare bedroom. Um, oh yeah, why? <laughs> why a spare bedroom? <laughs> so my partner and I don't always sleep together mm. Um, mm. because I sleep really lightly mm. and they mm. snore. Mm-hmm. So I like to retreat into that space. Yeah. Um, I like my own time. I like my own space. And yeah. so we created that room for me or him to go to when we need to yeah um and so i i go in there and i'll read Mm -hmm. my book or i'll put a movie on that he would definitely not watch with me um and i get to just have my alone time yeah which feels really special um and it's a really neutral room it's very empty it's Mm -hmm. just clean Mm -hmm. um and also it's the room that is all of my friends' bedroom when they come yeah. and stay with me, mm-hmm. you know, any time that someone comes and stays, I'm like, this is your room. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is, and each of those people, they call it their room. Yeah, that's, um, nice. that's <laughs> nice. So it's it's this room that is everyone's. Yeah. Um, everyone sleeps in it. <laughs> yeah. We clean the sheets. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully I will get to be one of those people. It soon. will. It will yeah. be, it will be your room yeah. very shortly. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> okay. What's something most people don't know about you? Oh no. Yes. Damn you. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's something that most people don't know about me? Um, well, I've kind of dripped and like dropped it into this like chat of my, my previous life in the fashion industry, I think, but Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people just don't know that I came from that world because of where I am now. Yeah. Um, but like I come like my mum worked in fashion and television for most of her life. My dad has worked in the fashion industry basically all of his life. Mm. My sister up until, you know, five or six years ago worked in fashion and design industry. So it was very much like that's where you went 
you know, yeah. and I, I resisted it for, I, well, I tried to resist it. I was like, I'm going to do fine arts at uni and I'm mm. going to be an artist. I'm not mm. going to go into fashion and design. Um, but then I ended up there mm-hmm. um, and I loved it while I was there. Yeah, it was yeah. a f- fun ass time. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> toxic as fuck at <laughs> points. Um, but yeah, I think that it's the thing that when people know that about me, they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I worked at Prada and I worked, you know, I had a stint in the buying department for international women's wear at David Jones. and Yeah, that's wild. You know, like did launches for Woolmark and like all sorts of things. <laughs> yeah. Um, so very different than what I, I'm doing now and like got scholarships to go to China and do. Yeah, wow. Do stuff over in China. Yeah, and- <laughs> so different. So, so different. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Where do you get your best ideas? Mm. So funny. We've asked each other yeah, similar questions, yeah, yeah. but we didn't know. No, we didn't know. Where do I get my best ideas? Oh, you know what? There's two places. So in the car, always. Oh, yes. I think I've said... I think it's the same. It's like wherever you don't have a pen and paper. <laughs> totally. Like, And I think that there, I remember a morning recently I was driving from home out to the coast to go to the beach. And I just... It was intense ideas coming through yeah. like it was just non-stop and I, I think I just ended up voice noting you being like yeah. I'm just going to basically talk to you for the next 10 minutes over yeah, a voice yeah it was like note. 15 minutes literally yeah. on and off it would be like a three minute and then a break and yeah. then another one and I'm like oh god it's all just coming um and when I'm in nature um so yes. I whenever I'm walking in nature though not mm. I'm usually not stationary it's like if I'm moving mm. um I often have lots and I receive the ideas like little downloads it's like yep. they like come from outside and they just land and drop yep. into me yep. and then all of a sudden it's like sets in motion this yes. thing <laughs> yeah um mm-hmm. so yeah yeah nice what do you never leave the house without hmm well it's hard okay like in sydney it's very different than when mm. i'm at home like when i'm at home my keys yeah but then it's like but this is the thing like because of where we live I'm really lax like I don't wear shoes often won't take my phone Mm, the only thing that I don't and like I won't take my wallet like yeah yeah oh you know what it is water oh that's sensible water I should take note (laughs) (laughs) I literally I won't leave the house without a bottle of water with me I always fill up my glass water bottle so even if I don't have car keys all of the things that usually people would be like that's essential I'm like no it's water 100 Mm, percent yeah yeah Yeah. I definitely am good make note of that one um cool and then final question yeah what is the greatest business lesson that you've learned oh gosh what if you can narrow it down to one Mm. one little snippet listen to my intuition yeah and and it's interesting what comes up then is um when I was working in design and fashion um I yeah I worked at Becca Minty for years and the owner of that space Jason Minty taught me so much I didn't even realize how much I was receiving from him Mm. um but he just popped into my head because you know, his tagline is expect the unexpected Mm. because he was doing things in his own way. And he, you know, 
all the staff would be like, oh my God, what's he doing? Or, you know, people would be surprised by the things that he'd curate and, you know, the ideas that he'd just run with, even if it didn't logically make sense. And it just, Mm. he taught me so much in that way. And then also to then move more into embodiment work and connecting to my own body it's like I I can't do business without listening to myself yeah yeah it's like blocking out the noise Mm, of mm. the shoulds or shouldn'ts of business and the way other people do it and the comparisons it's like nah you I listen to what my intuition tells me and I Mm. follow that because when I don't things do not go well yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) Um, and that's not to say that it always goes well when I listen to my intuition. Yeah. However, at least I feel like I've honored myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Amazing. Well, I have loved this conversation. <laughs> I've learned some things that I didn't know about you yeah. <laughs> and I'm super grateful. I love you to bits. I think you're amazing. Aww. <laughs> and I'm so excited that we are doing this together. Yes. Like the next episode is going to be us interviewing someone, someone else. else so our hot seat time is over Woo, we, Yay, did it. we did it we survived <laughs> um so thank you very much thank you that was awesome yeah love and, you um, <laughs> see you in the next one see you then thanks for listening to show me the honey If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and subscribe so you can be notified about our latest episodes. And until next time, keep it sweet.